is shut. The five foolish virgins are running up to the door as fast as they can. They shout, wait, no, we're coming, don't lock the door. But it is too late. The door is closed and locked. They plead, Lord, Lord, open to us. But the response is not what they had hoped. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. The door is locked, and it will not be opened again. The foolish remain cut off forever. Jesus tells us this is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. Not quite the image of the baby-faced cherubim playing harps on a cloud while St. Peter awaits you at the pearly gates. This parable challenges the way that we want to think about Jesus and his kingdom. In our North American context, even in our churches, we have developed this image of Jesus as this kind of all-loving, all-giving pushover who just wants you to be happy and to feel good about yourself. There's even a term for this. It's called moralistic therapeutic deism. In this worldview, God wants everyone to be good, moral individuals, hence moralistic. Therapeutic is that God just wants you to be happy and to feel good about yourself. And in deism, it does acknowledge that God exists, that God created all things, but God's not going to get in your way unless you ask him for some help. This is that kind of bumper sticker approach to God that says, Jesus is my homeboy. In this worldview, God doesn't ask much of you. He just wants you to be happy, to feel good about yourself, and to not worry too much about his final judgment because, well, if you're a good person, you'll get into heaven, right? The parable of the ten virgins does not give us this cuddly view of Jesus that we so often see around us. There is no Jesus is my homeboy in this parable. Here, we confront what the end times means, even if we do not like what it says. But it is clear from this parable that some will be saved, while others will not. That you will be judged. You will be judged by Jesus himself. Watch, therefore, Jesus exhorts. Be prepared. Do not be like the foolish ones. Are you prepared this morning? Are your wicks trimmed? Are your lamps full of oil? When Jesus returns, will you be counted among the wise or the foolish? Now, it is easy for us sometimes, I think, to get engrossed with the details of this parable and lose track of its overall narrative. But here's the arc of the story without too many of the details. The bridegroom is coming. There are ten virgins, all of which heard the call. All received an invitation to the wedding feast. All ten hear that the bridegroom is coming. Come to meet him, they are told. At hearing this call, some are prepared. Others are not. Those who are prepared follow the groom and enter the wedding feast. Those who are not prepared are shut out forever. It is that simple. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. These words foretell the eschaton, 
the end of time, when Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. We confess this in the words of the Apostles' Creed. The warning calls everyone who has been invited to come. You have received that call. You are among the ten virgins in the waters of your baptism. The Holy Spirit claims you and calls you his own. You are his creation, co-heirs with Christ, and he has prepared a place for you. But the question is, when Jesus returns, will you be prepared? If Jesus were to return at this very minute, or tomorrow, or next year, or decades from now, will you be prepared? And if not, what is or what will prevent you from being prepared? The striking thing to me about this parable and the other parables recorded in Jesus' sermon here in the Gospel of Matthew is that not all those whom Jesus calls will be saved. Not everyone who is part of the visible body of Christ, the church, will be judged worthy. Some will be locked out. Perhaps even some of us here this morning are not prepared for the coming of Jesus. This might sound harsh, but this is not the first time that Jesus has issued this warning. Earlier in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do all kinds of mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of evil, of lawlessness. This parable creates in me a real sense of dread an inner turmoil that causes me to question, am I among the wise or am I among the foolish? It is a sense that is echoed in the agony of Hamlet's soliloquy from Shakespeare's masterpiece. To be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take up arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them to die, to sleep no more, and by sleep to say we end the heartache of the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, to the consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, I bears the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Hamlet is struggling with what Luther might have called unfactum, the dark night of the soul. Unfactum is that deep, twisting suffering and despair, a terror that God's grace is not for me, a sense that I am among the foolish and on the wrong side of the locked door. Unfectum is something that we all experience at one time or another in our life. To come face to face in this parable with the knowledge that our judgment is coming, to know that we will be judged, 
does and perhaps even should cause us to experience this kind of spiritual suffering, this unfectum. In fact, I believe this is the very reason that Jesus gives us this parable to frighten us, to make us suffer, to shock us into reality, as David Schmidt says. Jesus shocks us into the reality that just because we claim the name Christian does not mean that we will be judged ready when Jesus returns. This parable is a warning. Jesus is warning his followers, you and me, to remain vigilant against the possibility of falling away and not being ready or able to honor him when he returns. So remain vigilant. Lean into God's grace and he will fill your cup with oil. He will make you prepared. Do not reject the grace of God and let your lamps grow dim like the foolish. For just because you are called does not mean that you will be ready. So trim your wicks and bring your oil for Jesus is coming. The oil in this parable says gives represents whatever it takes for you to be ready to honor the bridegroom when he comes in his glory. This oil comes from the Holy Spirit. This oil could be your need for repentance, for that sin that you just cannot let go of, for that lingering resentment against the former colleague, that hurt that you felt at the hands of that fellow church member, that sense of anger that you have about the world around you in this time of political unrest. Repent, and the Holy Spirit will fill your lamp with the oil of forgiveness. This oil can also be your fear or anxiety. When the doctor presents the diagnosis as cancer, and the prognosis is grim, when you fear the world around you in this time of global pandemic, or when you know that returning to work or to school tomorrow means receiving another scolding from that dreadful boss or teacher. Lean in to God's grace, and His Holy Spirit will fill your lamp with the oil of reassurance. Whatever is keeping you from being prepared is nothing compared to the power of the Holy Spirit. So lean in to God's grace. Lay your burdens at the foot of his cross, and God will give you what you need to be prepared. The difference between the parable of the ten virgins and Hamlet is this. In Hamlet's soliloquy, he fears the end. He fears what comes next because he does not know what it is. But we do. The bridegroom is coming. We know this. Jesus is coming again and soon. But Jesus, he's already come to earth for you. Jesus came and he does redeem you. He calls you to himself. He sends you his Holy Spirit. And by that Holy Spirit, he makes you prepared for his second coming. So for the wise... The call to join the bridegroom may cause unfectum, but also joy. In our parable, the wise virgins heard the word, and they did what they were created to do. They followed the call. They were prepared. 
and they received the reward that was prepared for them, prepared for them by the bridegroom, which is Jesus Christ. You too, when you hear the call, and when you are led by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus, you will receive the reward that he has prepared for you, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you, and what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, your wicks will be trimmed, your lamps will be full of oil. He makes you prepared, and he numbers you among the wise. Here comes the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Here is your Savior coming to you to redeem you, to call you home to be with him. To Christ be the glory. Amen. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Yeah.